welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. So we talked last week about the three things that were rolled away when they crossed the Jordan. All the water rolled back to Adam. And at Adam, three things were lost in the garden. Man's assignment was lost. So you may be here today and you don't know what God wants for your life, the purpose for your life, the assignment. That's the result of the fall. When Adam fell and Eve, mankind lost that driving sense of assignment. I am here on assignment from God. Man lost assignment, his provision. He lost his provision. And he lost the ability to discover fresh faces of God. For every fresh face of God he discovered would cause him to not only know God in a new way, but for him to be transformed as well. So we find in Joshua chapter 5 that before they take Jericho, these three things, man's assignment, man's provision, and man's partnership with God in discovering who God is, those three things are addressed in chapter 5. So do you have Joshua 5 verse 7? Yep, it's on the screen. So then Joshua circumcised all the sons whom he had raised up in their place. It's more costly for a man to follow Jesus. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in the place in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. So when you're in Egypt, life is just all about being a slave. There is no assignment. You are just in survival mode. Your job is to make it through another day. And I want you to know today that was never God's design for you to clock on and clock off. He wants you to wake up with a burning sense of assignment. Anything less is, is, is a demonstration that you've been robbed. He says, I've come that you would have life and life abundantly. The devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy. God comes to give you hope and a future. Now, the children of Israel, verse 10, camped in Gilgal. Do you remember I told you in Gilgal, there's a, is there a picture on the screen of the five of, of the feet? That when they reached Gilgal, the children of Israel built five of these feet, the right foot. And it was a picture. It was a prophetic statement to the enemy that we are coming and that you will be under our feet. Ephesians 1 says that Jesus has put all things under his feet. And we are, and he did it for the sake of the body. So I want you to know today that as we uh, progress and reach for our assignment, our provision, that God has promised that every place that you tread your feet, God has given you the land. Here's the truth. The enemy is scared of what's about to take place in your life. He's afraid. He's frightened that you'll begin to discover that greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. He's frightened that you'll begin to discover that you are called to be the heir of the world, that the glory of the Lord will fill all of the earth and that you're on assignment from him to change the world. And so they, they put this picture of the foot there as a spiritual picture. And it's interesting that a man called Adam, a Jewish man, discovered these five feet. And, uh, and they were saying to, the, to all the world that we 
are going to occupy this land. Maybe there's something that you need to do. A stake in the ground. A mind shift change. Something that you need to do that says to the enemy, I am coming. So watch out. You can't be passive in the kingdom. And the children camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month. Verse 11, they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover. Verse 12, and the manna ceased on that day after they ate of the produce of the land. And the children of Israel ate no longer manna, but they ate the food of the land. And it goes on to say then Joshua has a revelation of the new face of Jesus in this season, which is he's come as the commander of the armies. So the three things that we see take place. And today I want to particularly focus on provision. I want you to know today that God does not want you to settle for just enough. Barely get by because you're on assignment from God. God wants you to change this city. God wants you to have provision to change this city. And I'm going to come up against today mindsets and strongholds that will be demolished in your life. You need to be free. And I don't want you to turn off and say, well, this sermon's not for me. If you are born again and in the kingdom, this sermon's for you. You have to change. This is a season that demands that God's people get a revelation of their assignment and their provision. And so you're going to have to think different because the mindset in the wilderness was a mindset of survival. of the man, I call it the manner mindset, but the mindset in the promised land is a mindset of multiplication. It's totally different. Totally different. And it doesn't matter where you live, what your education is, how old or young you are, it works for everybody. So I don't want you to say to me today, well, I'm 95, I'm on the pension, and God could never multiply me. Oh, I'm sorry, I just better rip out that page in 2 Kings chapter 4 that says that the prophet came to the widow and she had debts. And he says, you know what? I'll, I'll get enough oil going in your house to pay off the debts and that'll be enough. No. no. The Bible says that as many pitch, uh, jars that she brought out, the oil kept running. While there was faith, the oil kept running. And he said to the widow, now pay off all your debts and live on the overflow. Amen. So there's an overflow for pensioners today. There's an overflow for teenagers today. There's an overflow for people working as doctors, lawyers. Whatever it is that you find yourself in, there is an overflow that is available to every child of God. There are no limitations in the kingdom. The only limitations are here in your head. I'm going to show you that today. So you notice that the manna ceases the day after the Passover. That's interesting. Because the Passover is a picture of a major turning point in history. It's a place where God judges the enemy and says, your reign is over. They celebrated that. The enemy has no longer got any hold over our lives. It doesn't matter what he did in my parents' life, and my grandparents' life, all my bad decisions. You know what? The enemy has no hold over me. I am free to be blessed. They had to get that revelation that God has set us free. Without that, you can't enjoy multiplication. You'll be running from shadows. And the Lord's been speaking to me this week. There's a lot of Christians running from shadows. 
The enemy is defeated in your life. Poverty is defeated. It is a curse. It was defeated at the cross. Christ, who was rich, became poor for your sake so you could become rich. And I love that scripture because it's plonked right in the middle of two chapters on finances. For every Christian that would want to spiritualize it. And I say to you, even if you do spiritualize it, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're spiritually rich and you're rich in your soul, you have to be rich on the outside. Whatever's on the inside will change what's on the outside. That's the kingdom. The kingdom is within us. And what we get right in here will change what's out there. That's why when you go to, down the street and you look at some houses and you can tell who lives in a house by their front yard. Why? Because what's on here gets out there. Everyone's going to go home today and mow the lawns. <laughs> Water the garden. Quick pastors coming this week, mow the lawns. So Israel went from living from manna to enjoying the fruits of the land. Do you know it says in Exodus 16 verse 8, you may want to write this down. It says, when they gathered manna, listen to this, he who gathered much had no excess and he who gathered little had no lack. So that's the picture of most of the church. No excess, no lack. Do you know what I call that? Barely getting by. Just enough. That's called living by a miracle. No excess, no lack. It means that we get to the end of the week and we say, praise the Lord, we've paid all the bills and there's food in the cupboard. But not enough to be a blessing to anyone else. That's the matter mindset. Just getting by. And God says, I want to destroy that. I came to set you free. And I know some of you are thinking, you don't know, you don't know. Yes, I do. I do know. I'm 50 now. I've seen it all. You laugh, but the more people you meet in church, the more you begin to understand that the Bible is true. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm not here to offend anyone, by the way. I don't get tickets, points, dollars for offending people. My, my, if you really know my true heart, you say, Andrew, what makes you tick? I want people to prosper. And I hate it when the enemy holds people in bondage. So if it offends you, it's not me. okay? It's God pointing at strongholds. And the, the dismantling of strongholds is never comfortable. So I say to people, pain is non-negotiable. There's good pain and bad pain. Good habits are hard to form but painful to live with. Bad habits are easy to form, but hard to live with. So there's going to be pain. You've got to choose the right pain. Lord, change my heart. So if you come with agendas today, so you can talk about that and not that, you're, that's the wrong way. You've got to come to this each service saying to God, do what you want. Yeah. Why? Because God's a good father. And whatever he does, you know this, that he's always going to leave you in a better way. The way of the wise winds upwards. God is a good God. And he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna point at areas that are strongholds and it's going to feel like stuff rises up within you. That doesn't mean it's not God. Okay? And when scriptures come up in your head, counteracting all they say, that doesn't mean it's God either. Because the devil, I'm not saying you're the devil, but the devil, he counteracted Jesus as well with scripture. 
So this manna was a sample of what was available. It had a hint of honey to encourage them to press on. So your little miracle, I don't mean little, but yeah, your miracle of, of getting by is a hint that there's more. Not that this is it. This is not, this is not where it ends. This is God saying, you know what? I can do more of this. And guess what? What I do, you can do. I want to partner with you. I don't want you to rely on me. I want you to partner with me. So there's a hint of honey. But the other thing, they say that manna is a bit like, I think it's coriander seed, which is high in vitamin A, which is a detox. As they were feeding on this manna, God was saying to them, I want you to detox from all that stuff so you can get into the promised land. I'm feeding you for a season. Why? Because when we come into the kingdom, we are self-reliant. So often we come in and we have to get to that place where we see the hand of God providing daily. We get a revelation that he's our good father, but not to stop there. The next thing is that we then grow so we begin to partner with him. Are you seeing this? It's from a miracle mindset to a multiplication mindset where we partner with God. Now look what happens when they walk into the promised land. There are seven foods, and I'll go as quick as I can. You may want to write these down. There was honey. So replacing manna, we have honey, which is a picture that God, as we walk into the promised land and provision, as we partner with God for increased provision in our life, he promised us honey. Honey is a picture of revelation. God's going to speak to us in dreams and visions, prophetic words. He's going to show us things to come. It is the most exciting journey to partner with God in provision. It's far more exciting than slaving day by day. Did you know that God is really interested in money? In fact, he speaks about money more than any other subject. It's a big deal. So we get honey, we get pomegranates, pomegranates, uh, are a picture of fertility and blessing and multiplication. We have grapes. The third thing, grapes and grapes and the vine represent our inheritance and, and generational. As you read through the Bible, the vine and grapes always speaks about the inheritance. So it's blessing not just for me, but my children. I'm going to get a revelation of kingdom provision and so are my kids. They're not going to just rely on dad handing them out money, but they're going to get a revelation that the kingdom is within us as well. Doesn't that flick your switch? So what have we had? Pomegranates, grapes, honey, figs. Figs were a picture of prosperity and coming under the shade of the fig. So in the heat of the day, that when everything else is going bad in the world, there is a shade for us where we are excluded from the famine that hits the world. How many is that now? Four. So we've got olives, which is a picture of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So when we pray in the Spirit, we have the unfair advantage. Five, six is barley. Barley is a, is a produce that comes early. It's a food that was given to the poor. So God says to us, when you go into the promised land, I'm going to give you early success. I'm going to lead you and I'm going to give you wins along the way. And not only that, that I'm going to change your heart towards the poor. 
I'm going to give you a passion for blessing. I'm going to give you a capacity to alleviate. So when Jesus ministered to the poor, he fed them and he preached the gospel to the poor. He both met their needs, their immediate needs, and then he lifted them out of that cycle so they could walk in the blessing. And then he promises number seven, wheat, which is the finest food. It is the, the big kahuna. It is the, it is the breakthrough. He's promised us those seven foods in the promised land. Say with me, provision. provision. Don't you love that? Yeah. So I believe in my heart that God deeply desires. Now, I may be the only one that preaches this in the street, but I deeply believe this. That God deeply desires that all his people would prosper. That's the God that I serve anyway. Uh, you may serve a, a grumpy God, but as I read through the scripture, it's hard to find a God like that. Let me give you some scriptures. You ready? Because he wants you to occupy and possess the land. And to do that, you need provision. Okay, you ready? Deuteronomy 7.14. You shall be blessed above all the peoples. Should I say that again? Look at me. You, you, you will be blessed above all of the people in Melbourne. All right. Psalm 37, 11. The humble will inherit the land. You're humble because you humbled yourself to get born again. And they will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Are you hearing this? See, the Old Testament is a physical example of the kingdom. The New Testament, this is, this is generalizing, but the New Testament is an inward look at what the kingdom does within us. So I pray the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob manifest in my life. Judges 18.10. He had a land for them where there's no lack of anything that is on the earth. Psalm 37.27. Let them shout for joy and rejoice. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that I've got no money. No. Who favor my vindication. God's after every enemy that steals from you. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his people. Amen. Now, I don't know what you think, but how do you read that any other way? But God gets a big kick out of blessing you with provision. Well, you know what? What sort of parent are you? You know, I get a kick out of blessing my kids. I love to bless my family, but not God. Oh, no. He's going to make your life hard. Because you know what? Narrow is the way. It's going to be tough. Many tribulations. Well, maybe God doesn't want everyone to prosper. Look at Psalms, uh, Proverbs 22.2. The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. So God makes rich people and God makes poor people. Would you agree? The rich God is the maker of them all. So now let's look at Deuteronomy 15. It's on the screen. Verse 4. However, there will be no poor among you. Oh, hang on. God's the maker of the rich and the poor. But now he's saying, however, there will be no poor among you. I thought you made poor people and rich people. 
Since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord has given you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands which I'm commanding you today for the Lord will bless you as he has promised and you will lend to many nations and not borrow. You will rule over many nations but they will not rule over you. Verse 11, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Hang on, hang on. There will be no poor among you. Verse 4, verse 11, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. That's a bit odd, isn't it? God's saying, there will be no poor among you. Verse 11, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. So here's the thing. God's the maker of everyone. But he's not determining who's rich or poor. Because he doesn't determine who obeys him or disobeys him. He's saying, it's my desire that everyone's rich. I've given you principles of success in the kingdom. And if you obey them, if you get them into your heart, you will prosper. But guess what? Because I know, man, there's always going to be poor people. Why? Because there's always disobedient people. And there's always people who don't know. Who've been sold a lie. Who sit in churches where people say, God takes great pleasure in your demise. You're not going to have much money. It's going to be tough. And God knows that there are people that say that. Poverty is the result of not acting on the word of God. Now, this is where it gets uncomfortable. Prosperity is always, kingdom prosperity is always connected to acting on the word of God. So I don't know where you fit in this camp. And this may be awfully confronting, but let me finish the sermon, okay? Then you can throw stones. Is that all right? Can we make a deal? Poverty is the result of not understanding and following the word. Prosperity is the result of understanding and applying the word of God. The people that understand and apply the word cannot cannot stay poor for it violates spiritual laws so here's the law of prosperity you ready don't get angry so here's the thing if a poor person meets a rich person and they get angry because i wish i had that and it's not fair and they go home and they get angry then they've missed the point God was giving you an opportunity to ask a question. Listen to me. If you meet someone who is, has broken through and that they are rich and you walk away angry, you've missed your golden opportunity. Amen. God was giving you a key. And I'm amazed how many poor people don't associate with rich people in the kingdom. If you needed healing and you were dying, you would find somebody in the church, in the kingdom, that believed in healing and had results. Would you want someone to pray for you? If I was on my deathbed, you know, and I had one arm missing and, you know, whatever. I'd be saying, I know who to ring. I have family members. I'd be saying to Karen, ring Uncle John. Why? Because he's a healing evangelist. And he has faith for healing. 
If I need a miracle in my finances, I'll go to somebody else. I'm not saying he doesn't, but there are people that have giftings and anointings and revelation. So here are the laws of prosperity. And laws are established principles that have a predetermined outcome. If you follow the laws, the kingdom works this way. Obey these principles and there is an outcome, predetermined. Three things you need to know about the law. Spiritual laws. And James talks about this. He says, if you do this, this will happen. So laws are like this. Laws are no respecters of persons, no respecter of persons. So the law doesn't work for men and not women. The law doesn't work for Asians and not Caucasians. It doesn't, it's not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter if you've been born again for a day or 50 years. Number two, laws are no respecter of circumstances. So I hear people say, well, you know what? It's unfair to teach prosperity in the Philippines. Really? Take the Bible away from the Filipinos because they don't get it. Really? There are some incredibly successful, rich people in the Philippines. It works anywhere. Jeremiah 17 says that we can be in the wilderness and still enjoy great fruitfulness. uh, Isaac sowed in the land of famine. So think of the poorest country in Bangladesh. And in the same year reaped a hundredfold. The law is no respecter of people or circumstances. And the law says that all of hell can't stop your breakthrough. Jesus was in the boat and all the enemy came against him. The storm came, but he made it to the other side. If you get a revelation of these laws, nothing can stop you. You've got to believe it in your heart. So there are many laws concerning finances. Here's what most Christians think, or many Christians think. Tithe and forget. Give and forget. As long as you're giving, you'll be blessed. I have a problem with that because there's a lot of people that give, tithe, give to the poor, and they're broke. You may know one. It's a bit like if I had a lamp here and I plugged it into a PowerPoint. That could be a picture of... See, tithing is very powerful because it establishes the lordship of God. It creates an overflow in your life, a flow into your life. With that, I don't believe you can have kingdom provision without understanding the power of tithing. So it's like putting a plug into a PowerPoint, but guess what? You can turn that PowerPoint on and the lamp on, but if you don't have a bulb in the lamp, you'll be in darkness. I tried this tithing thing and it doesn't work. Have you got a lamp? Have you got a bulb? See, what I've discovered is that prosperity in any realm of life includes the prosperity of the soul. You can't prosper in life beyond the ability to prosper in your soul. 3 John 2, do you remember that scripture? Beloved, I wish that you would prosper. Does anybody know the scripture? And be in health, even as or to the degree that your soul prospers. See, if you're going to prosper... You first got to begin to see it on the inside. You can't have one level on the outside, one and in. That's why uh, you hear these statistics of people that win lots of money in the lotto. And I, I, I think I heard they said that after two years, only 2% of the people that had won the lottery had any money left. 
put the ha- money in the hands of a poor person. And the Bible talks about having holes in, your ba- in, in the money bags and just pouring through. It just, just goes. Where does it go? Prosperous on the inside, so you can be prosperous on the outside. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. The Bible also says that guard your heart with all diligence, for out of the heart flow the boundaries of life. In other words, the way you see inside determines the boundaries. And see, boundaries are important because they were going into the promised land and they were assigned territory. You have a territory to possess. And it all comes out of the heart. If I don't think rich, talk rich, see myself rich, I'll never be rich. So here's the thing. You can give and tithe till you die and still be broke. What they didn't teach me at church. People are giving, believing their giving will make them prosperous. Instead of giving because they are prosperous. You hearing me? Are you thinking my giving is going to open the door for prosperity? No! I give because I already am rich. I tell my kids I'm a rich man. I'm rich. Not when I get rich, I am rich. I am rich. I'm wealthy. I'm incredibly wealthy. So I lay in bed and I dream about my influence. You go, what a silly man. Well, really? God said to Abraham, get out of your tent. Look at the stars. See all those stars? They're your children. He had none. So is he any more crazy than me? Or am I any more crazy than him? For that's how the kingdom works. First, we see it in our soul. Our soul prospers. We develop an image on the inside of success. The money seed is responsible for multiplying the level of the image that you have inside. So if you don't have money, you don't give money, there's nothing to multiply the image on the inside. So I've got a little analogy here I hope you can see this this is how I view it I call this my prosperity equation so I really am a spiritual scientist now here's the thing we are how many people are after a hundredfold returning life okay so the rest 30 60 none I just guarantee that your arms were sore all right so I've got a manna mindset and a multiplication mindset. Remember the manna? No excess, no lack, just enough to get by. So this is how I think. If you could rate your mindset about success, prosperity, seeing yourself blessed by God, um, all the things that you, you could imagine is a successful mindset, I would ask you to rank yourself out of 10. Don't say that aloud. But the manna mindset... It might be one, just enough to get by, and I'm happy. Now, the problem is that this person over here, his giving lifestyle is eight. He's sowing, he's he's giving to the poor, he's tithing. But what's the maximum they can have? No. Sorry, it should be there. It should be eight. Do you see that? It doesn't matter how much you give, even if it was a ten. What's the maximum you can have? 10. Can you see something here? Your mindset multiplied by your giving equals your prosperity. So you can give as much as you like, but it's a bit like this. It's like a a bucket and giving and tithing is water. 
It's God's favour. But if you've got holes in your bucket, unworthiness, small thinking, no matter how much God blesses, you'll miss opportunities. See, I've discovered the greater I think like God, the more I think like God, the more opportunities come. There's ways to make easy money. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no toil. How many people would rather work hard? Okay. There's an easier way. See, God's design wasn't for you to work so hard. You never see your family. Your marriage falls apart and your kids become unruly because you're never at home because you were working to be successful. That's not God's plan. So what happens if I'm a 10 giver, and we should be 10 givers, looking for opportunities, but what happens if I increase this to three? I begin to get in the word. And see, it's not just a, a dabble. You have to... Remember I said last week, if you want to learn a language, you can go to Spanish class once a week or you can fly over to Spain, plonk yourself there and say, I'm not leaving till I learn the language. This is not something you play at. See, if you're poor, let me ask you a question. Have you made it your obsession to renew your mind about kingdom wealth? Have you? Have you made it your... How, how desperate are you to get out of this lifestyle? If you are, you will fill your mind with scripture about the way God thinks. Proverbs, wisdom, how to handle money. Get alongside people that have kingdom wealth perspective. Get into books. Do everything that you can and all of a sudden this is going to go up. And guess what? You're going to have an increase in your prosperity equation. Fill the bucket holes and let the bucket rise. There's nothing wrong with God or his provision or his blessing. It's an impoverished soul. Are you enjoying this? So you stop your poverty talking. I can't afford that. Get it, get it out of your language. But it's true. I don't care if it's true at the moment. Get it out of your language. You're snared by the words of your mouth. And all your family are listening. Can't afford it. Now, we've all said it. We all have to think, okay, I need to rewire. See, I had to retrain because I, I started saying to Karen and my family, when I'm rich. And I had to try and retrain myself to say, I am rich. I am rich. And I spent months and months laying in my bed imagining the impact I'd have on the church body. You've got to think it. You've got to get into your spirit. Stop your old poverty mentality. Always looking for the cheapest. Saving junk because you may need it one day. Gawking at items and saying, oh, look how expensive that is. See, that's the way the poor operate. Well, this is hurting, isn't it? But see, there, there is a mindset and lifestyle of the rich. I'm not saying being a two-bob millionaire. I'm not saying living beyond your means and putting things in credit. I'm saying... Adjust the way you think because it will attract to you wealth. Do you know wealth can be attracted and repelled? So can be healing, joy. If you understand kingdom principles, they come to you. If you don't, they are repelled. See, the Israelites in the wilderness wanted to blame everyone else except themselves. Well, we can't go to the promised land. There are giants there. I'll never own a home. The problem wasn't the giants. The problem was their image. 
Who said? Who said you could never own a home? Who said you could never have a brand new car? Well, I don't know. Yes, you don't know. So you need to know. <laughs> and God wants to bless you. He wants to retrain the way you use money. Not just if it goes in my hand, it goes. But every time I'm getting money in my hand, I'm getting better at this. I'm thinking about how to multiply it. In the past, I would get money in my hand and I'd think how to spend it. But now I'm thinking, you know what? If I get $1,000 and I multiply that and keep that original $1,000, I can give much more than that 1000 ever could. Why is it? See, I say to some people that are poor, why is it you can never save anything? Why is your bank account always on zero? Here's the thing. Take 50 cents, put it in the money box and say, I will not touch you. If that's what it takes, and do it every week. Do it for a year and break the mindset of poverty. Maybe you came from a family that was poor. I did too. But guess what? See that? That is the invitation to a new family. You got born again. You've got a new daddy, and he's rich. And he's got abundance and excess. He loves excess. Who else would make roads out of gold? I'd make them out of bitumen. Wouldn't you? Save a bit, you know, give the angels a pay rise. But he says, no, I'll make them out of gold. Read the description of heaven and upsize God in your mind. Oh, well, that's for heaven. He said, Pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So maybe I'm going to have a house one day and the court's going to be made out of gold. So I bought some magnets. They're really cheap and nasty. But anyway, they make people laugh. Look, they're special magnets. And do you know the thing about magnets is that they can either repel or attract. And I want to think that wherever I go, money comes to me. Favor comes to me. Joseph was like that. Put him in pot of his house, favor. Put him in a prison, favor. Put him in a pit, favor. Put him in palace, favor. Favor, favor. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord brings favor. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. That coat on him of multicolors was a mindset of success. And the day that thing got on him, he began to attract kingdom provision. I'm convinced of this. If we would change our soul, give it a chance. Actually, don't give it a chance. Make it a lifestyle. Cultivate this. Say, okay, God, I heard that strange man preach on Sunday and he said that if I change my mindset and increase that from one to two and keep my giving at the same level, that my success equation is going to rise. Bring it on, Papa, Father God in heaven. Thank you for success. Let it come to me. Let problems be expelled from my life and success and provision come to me. Speak it over your life. Cultivate it in your world. Peter got in a boat. He fished all night. 
And he had a mindset that you can work and slave and you get nothing. See, there's Christians that think that. You can work hard. Oh, that's what you get for caring. Give to the poor. And you get nothing in return. But Jesus comes into the same boat in the same lake with a different mindset and gets a cash. So look at me now. Ask yourself a question. Why do some people succeed in the lake and some people don't? Why do some catch fish? And why do some people like me catch lots of fish? I'm calling things that be not as though they are. Our last men's trip, we went fishing. We caught two fish and I worked out each fish cost us as a collective group about $600. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't get one of them. It would have been cheaper just to go to the fish market, wouldn't it? Um, But not the experience of bonding. You're right. So I ask you, why do some people catch? What what did Jesus have that Peter didn't have? I want to say to you, it's a perspective of success and hearing the voice of God. So you can go back to the same job, the same circumstance, and turn it upside down. You can. Because it's not environmental. It's not the devil. The devil can't stop your success. There's there's a little thing. You don't need to rebuke him because Jesus did that at the cross. He says, all power and authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. He said that, as we read before in Ephesians 1, that all rule and authority is under his feet for the sake of the church. Your job is just to tread on his head. Not to put him under your feet, because he's already under your feet. Is to walk on top of him and crush him. You have been given dominion. See, the devil is all into smoke screens. He wants you focusing on him and not on the father and success. The carnal mind hates what I preach, though, because the gospel is so extreme. It guarantees success and it says, if you follow my laws, I will bless you. And we don't like that because it's awfully confronting. But I guarantee you today, if you make it your passion in life to pursue blessing and favor, if you immerse yourself in the word, you will be a success. Joshua chapter 1. What does it say? He says to Joshua... I want you to meditate in the law for half an hour in the morning and then forget about me for the rest of the day. He says, no, day and night. So in the car, put the word on. Get it into your heart. Find the scriptures. Meditate on it. He says, because then you will be successful. You will make yourself successful. He says, Joshua, it's all up to you. I've done everything. I've given you my commands. I've given you my principles. If you abide in my word and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. He is an independent man. He'll be like a shrub in the desert, small life in a barren environment. Is that you today? 
He will not see when good comes. You see, when I change my heart and wire it towards kingdom success, I begin to see opportunities. I'm saying to you today, there are opportunities every day to prosper. The poor don't see when good comes. Why? Because they're wired with a manner mindset. But the rich have a multiplication mindset. So God, change the way we see. Change the way we think. Open us up to new opportunities. So for that to happen, I'm going to have to read new things, meet new people, go to new places, get out of my lifestyle, out of my rut, turn off the idiot box and begin to discover there's a whole world that wants to feed my soul. Get into the Word, meditate on it day and night. Because the Word, listen, the Word is supernatural. As I read the Word, I, I feel things shifting inside me. It's breathed by the Spirit. And as you meditate on it, I wake up with the Word moving on me. I went camping the other week and I woke up with the Word in my heart. It's like, wow, it was amazing. It's changing me in the inside, making me bigger. Remember the equation? Do you remember the equation? Mindset times money equals prosperity. Renew my mind, Lord. Last verse, Isaiah 55.2. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul now delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul will live. So will you let your soul this week delight in abundance? What does that mean? So when you go to bed tonight, begin to dream. Begin to think big. You know what? Just a little bit. There may be some cracks, but just a little bit bigger. bit bigger. bit bigger. Well, I could be settled with that. No, bigger. Dream. Let your soul delight in abundance. Open up the word. God, speak to me. Increase me. Increase me. Increase me. Mindset times money equals abundance. Give and it shall be given to you. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Bring them together and you have supernatural abundance. I guarantee you that if you renew your soul and make it your passion and you learn the power of being led by the Spirit and give, if you make Jesus Lord of your finances in your giving, you will be successful. That I can guarantee. So here's the question. How many people want to prosper? Put your hand up if you want to prosper. Keep it up, if that's okay. Father, I pray for each person today for supernatural increase and provision. Father, that the assignment that they've been called to do shall be fully resourced. That they will be a resource to other people. They will be those that are able to lift the poor out of their place of pain. And not just be able to lift them out with money, but they would be able to educate them and encourage them and, and, and impart kingdom principles that would change their life. I release today over your people 
a renewed mind. I say, I call into being. I say, let your mind now be renewed according to the kingdom. Thank you, Father, for the increase over our mind, 30, 60, 100 fold. Large people, enlarge us, O God. Increase us, Lord. Increase us, God. Increase us, God. Lord, the cry of my heart is for your people to increase, to be big on the inside, to be men and women of great success. They would lend to many and not borrow. They would be the head and not the tail. They will rule over many but not be ruled over. They would bring the kingdom to this city with great power. For Father, your heart is for this city. You want kingdom expressions all over this city. Let your kingdom come, your wisdom, your power, your goodness. And we say to you, Satan, that this earth belongs to us. It was given to us by inheritance. We are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. You made Abraham an heir of this world. And I thank you, Lord, that you said your glory would cover the earth. The expression of your kingdom would cover the earth. Even when there's deep darkness, the light would shine. So we thank you for that this day. And just before we finish, if there's anyone today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, today's a great day. Today's a great day. There's the gospel of the kingdom that we've talked about today, kingdom principles. But there's the gospel of Jesus, the good news, that he wants to come into your life and bring peace in your world. He wants to come and make his home in your heart to forgive you of your independent living, your sinful nature, and put his nature in you. There is no success without Jesus. He is the starting place and the end, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It is all about him and partnering with him. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And if you're here today and you've not asked him into your heart, you can do that where you sit. I would love to pray with you today. You can, it's just a matter of reaching out with your heart and saying, Jesus, come in. And if you've never done that, I'm not going to embarrass you, but why don't you raise your hand where you are and I'm going to pray for you. It's a step of faith, absolutely. But your life will never be the same again. And if you've never asked Jesus in, why don't you raise your hand right now and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there somebody else who would say yes? Yeah. Is there anyone else who say, I'd love to invite Jesus? You can put your hand down when you've raised it. Is there someone else? And you've never asked Jesus into your heart and you'd like to do that today. Okay. We're going to pray together. If you've raised your hand today, pray with me. Because the Bible says if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. He'll make his home in us and will be forever made new. So let's pray. I'll pray and you can pray in your heart with me. Lord Jesus, today... I pray that for those that have asked you today to come into their hearts, that you would right now transform them. We invite you, Jesus, to be Lord of our lives. Forgive us of our sin, our independent living. We say we need you today. Come, Lord Jesus. Take control of our lives. Make us new. We receive you, Jesus. We receive you, Father God, Holy Spirit, into our life now. 
make us new in the name of Jesus.